Hi, welcome to the fifth installment of When the Scriptures Become Real, a podcast where we study the scriptures together, uh, to where we study and where we challenge ourselves to really put ourselves in the situations of these great men of faith and to see if we could really do that, to challenge our faith, um, to see if we could be the faithful servants that God calls us and wants us to be. And so if you listened last week, uh, episode four, we talked about when the scriptures become real, learning to be content. Learning to be content when there are struggles in life. Um, learning to be content, you know, when things aren't going your way. Learning to be content when there's trials. How we can have a certain mindset and change our mindset to not to focus so much on the problem or on the circumstance or on the trial, but to focus on Christ through the circumstance, through the trial, and through the struggle. And that we can totally keep our mind, eye focused on Him. But today, we want to discuss a topic. Um, it's a great phrase, I would say, um, but it's a harder commandment to live. Um, and that phrase is is loving your enemies. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The scriptures become real when we talk about loving your enemies. You know, it's we all know uh, what the scripture says. You know, we can, you know, any Christian, any uh, religious person can really you know, quote this or say it verbatim, but uh, the verse of reference is Matthew five forty four. you know, talking about loving your enemies and blessing them that curse you and do good sin that hate you and pray to them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That sounds great for us to do. But what happens when you actually have an enemy? You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we really don't understand what that word enemy means. Um, but what happens when someone's actually against you? What happens when multiple people are against you? Then then what do you do? And especially if those uh, things that people are saying and, and things that people are doing are specifically directed to you, not anyone else, when it's specifically directed to you, then what do you do? Then that's when the scripture becomes real. Now it's not just you know, a happy phrase that's in the scripture that sounds nice. It's actually a command that you and I are required um, to follow through whatever's going on. And so that's what we want to talk about today. <clears throat> but before we get into that, we want to start off with our positive quote for the day. And I read this yesterday, and it's a quote, it's a leadership quote. And uh, it simply says this, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And that was quoted um, actually by Martin Luther King Jr. And I've actually never heard that quote from him before. Um, but it's true. You know, you think about that. Love is really is the only force uh, that can help transform uh, the hate of an enemy to the love of a friend. And, you know, I think... And when we study this topic today, and what I really want to focus on is one instance. There's different instances in Scripture, but I think there's one man uh, in the Old Testament that really exemplified truly, truly of loving your enemies. And this man was David. And you think about this, and if you have your Bibles, let's go on and turn... um, to First Samuel, chapter chapter twenty four, I believe. First Samuel chapter twenty four, 
and this is this was so incredible and so amazing to study and to see David's mindset. But let's 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 go backwards and let's kind of set up what we're talking about here. Now let's go all the way back to when David. But let's actually go back further. Let's go back. Remember, um, the prophet Samuel came to Saul, and Saul was head above heels over everyone. Tall man, strong man. He was anointed as king. Saul became the first king of Israel. After Saul became king, and he began to reign, and he began to follow the Lord's commands, but then also there were instances to where uh, he let his own pride and, and let his own you know, actions determine what he wanted to do. And so therefore, uh, since he did all that, the Lord was displeased with him. And so Samuel went out again. And remember, he anointed uh, David, the son of Jesse. Now, remember, he went to his other brothers. They were strong. They looked like kings. They said, no, the Lord doesn't look on the outside. The Lord looks at the heart. And so they saw David and David was anointed. Now we have two anointed men of God. Then remember we have David, <clears throat> Goliath comes to the armies of Israel and David is the only one that goes out and challenges Goliath on behalf, not only of God, number one, but on behalf of Saul, he kills Goliath. And from that point forward, he becomes uh, a part of Saul's army and begins to fight the Philistines. Once he fights the Philistines, the people start to praise David and saying, well, David's killed his, or Saul's killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And from that point on there, that's when Saul really began to eye David. Now, this brings us all the way up to 1 Samuel chapter 24. And remember, we're talking about the scripture becomes real when we talk about loving our enemies. So we have to remember and we have to discuss what happens and we have to discuss the relationship between David and between Saul before we get into chapter 24. Now, actually, before we jump into chapter 24, I want you to go to 1 Samuel. Um, and I think we're going to go. I want to go back and actually see the relationship between David and Saul. And so if you go to 1 Samuel uh, let's see, let's start in chapter 19. And if you go there, let's look at what the scripture says here. Now, we also have to remember this. Remember the family nucleus. There was David, there was Saul, there was Jonathan. David loved Jonathan. Then there was Michael. Michael loved David. Now you have Saul's children love David. David loved Saul. David does everything he can do for Saul. But just because the, the people started to praise David, now Saul began to hate David. Now, what does that bring? With Saul hating David, now that means that, that Saul doesn't want Michael and doesn't want Jonathan to have anything to do with David. Now that gives Now that puts David in a predicament. Two people that David loves... He can't be with because the king hates him. Now what do you do? Look at this. If you go to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 19, let's start in verse, actually we may have to go up a little bit further. 
if we can find it here. There we go. It's chapter 18. Chapter 18. If you go to 1 Samuel 18, and let's look at verse uh, 7. Now, this is where, you know, the women and the people start to praise David. And the Bible says, And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saints pleased him. And he said, They have ascribed David ten thousands, but to me only thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Now, from that day forward, now, everything that David has ever done has been for Saul. David has done nothing to hurt Saul. But now, Saul hates David. Can you imagine being David and you kill Goliath for Saul? You kill all these Philistines for Saul over and over. And then he hates you? And then your friends that you love that are a part of his family, Jonathan, his son, and Michael, his daughter. Now, Saul doesn't want you to have anything to do with them. So if you're David, you feel all alone. Well, okay, well, I've done everything I could to help your family. But now you don't want me to be a part of it? You see, that became real for David. And Saul began to hate David. And I want you to notice... In 1 Samuel chapter 24, this is when David starts to run from Saul. Saul tries to kill David for all that he's done. But I want you to notice David's attitude here. Now remember, this has been going on for months already. Saul has already been looking for David. But if you start in verse um, verse number 3 of chapter 24, look what happens here. And he came to the sheep coats by the way, and there was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord has said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand. And thou mayest do to him as it seemed good to thee. Then David arose, and he cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. Let's stop right there. I want you to put yourself in David's circumstance here. And I think uh, that's the best way to study the scripture is to put yourselves there where they were. Think about David. Think about everything. Everything this man has done to you. And you've done absolutely nothing to him. You've done everything to help him. You killed the Goliath. You killed the Goliath's people, the Philistines. You've done no harm to Saul. You've done no harm to Saul's family. Then you go in to soothe Saul, and he throws a javelin at you twice. And then after he throws a javelin at you twice... Then he chases you for months, and you're on the run from this man. And now you're in a cave. Saul, the man who's done all that evil to you, he's right there in front of you, and you have the opportunity to end his life. If we answer honestly, if we put ourselves in David's situation, most of us may have cut off more than the skirt of Saul 
we may have cut off his life. It's a hard thing to, to imagine the heart of David that he had the opportunity to do exactly what he wanted to his enemy, but he didn't. And I want you to notice his mindset. If you look at the next verse in verse 6, this is why David didn't do it. Verse 6 of chapter 24, and he, talking about David, said unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing that he, Saul, is anointed of the Lord. What an amazing mindset. Have you ever really thought about that? You think about, you have David who's anointed. You have Saul who's anointed. Saul does all this to you as David. And you have the chance to kill him, but you don't. And your reasoning, you say, he is the Lord's. That's what a mindset that is to have. David, you see, David didn't let his his trials of what this man has brought upon him to control his emotions and control what he was going to do. You see, Saul could have did way more to David, but Saul, but David understood this, that yes, he's done this to me, but does that give me the right to have self-vindication towards this man? Does this give me the right to kill this man? And David's answer was no. Why, David? Notice he looked to the Lord. I can't kill this man because the Lord anointed him and he is the king. And who am I to kill God's anointed? That's amazing. That's an amazing thought. And I want you to notice this. And let's take this a step further. And let's think about us as as a brotherhood and as Christians today. If you are a Christian, if you've been baptized into Christ, you've been described as a priest. You've been described as royalty. You are a king and a queen in Christ. Most people don't really recognize they are, but we are. The Lord has adopted us and made us joint heirs with his son. So we are kings and queens in his kingdom. So I want you to notice this. And I think this will stop. If you, if you really think about it, it'll stop a lot of gossiping. It'll stop a lot of assuming. It'll stop a lot of evil communication between people. If we are kings and queens for the Lord and we are his anointed, what gives you and what gives me the right to spiritually kill my brother? Even if my brother has done something to me or I have done something to my brother, what gives them the right and what gives me the right to spiritually kill them? But what are you talking about spiritually kill them? It's a good question. Let's let the scripture answer it. Go to 1 John. Go to 1 John, and I want you to notice what John says here. If you look at 1 John chapter, let's see if I can find it here. Because I, I want to make this connection so we can, so we can get this now. All right, so if you go to 1 John chapter, um, chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse 
let's start in verse 13. Now remember the comparison we're making. David didn't want to kill Saul, even though Saul has done him wrong and David was justified in killing him. Notice he said, I won't kill him because he's God's anointed. Now you and I, we are kings and queens. If I do something to someone or someone does something to me, does that give me the right to do that as well as David did? Notice, look at what the scripture says. Look at verse uh, verse 13 of chapter 3 of 1 John. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Notice this next phrase. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Watch this. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. So, if I hate a brother or if a brother hates me, essentially, I don't cut off just a skirt of him. I spiritually kill him because I hate him. Notice the scripture. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, if this doesn't change your mindset towards things, I don't know what will. But I think this will stop a lot of the evil communication, a lot of the the back talking, a lot of the well, let's get a group and talk about this and talk about that. It'll stop that because people have to recognize who they are in Christ. And when we talk about brethren, when we bring action upon those brethren, we hate them and we murder them. And essentially, we go a step further than David. We kill God's anointed. We kill his kings and queens. Wow, that's that's an amazing thought. But I, I want you to notice First John, it goes even further. If you go to chapter 4, and if you go to First John 4, and let's start uh, in verse 17, and we'll read to the end of the chapter, verse 21. Notice, it, it follows the same thought. It says this, And we have known and believed the love of God that he hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth, watch this, he that dwelleth in love, you dwell in God, and God in you. So wait, let's stop right there. Matthew five forty four, Love your enemies. Why? Because if you love your enemies, then you dwell in God, and God dwells in you. That's what David understood. Let's keep going. Verse 17. Herein, watch this, our love is made perfect you see it's easy to love those that love you but can you love those who don't love you you see if you always love those who love you your love in Christ is not perfect but if you can love those who love you and you can have that same type of love towards your enemies that's the type of love that God has Therefore, as the scripture says in verse 17, then your love is made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment 
Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now look at the comparison it makes here. If a man say, well, I love God, but he hates his brother, hates God's anointed, hates God's kings or queens, that man is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he can see, how can he love God, whom he can't see? And this is the commandment that we have from him, from God, that he who loves God, look at this, he loves his brother also. It's an amazing, amazing thought, amazing comparison there. We cannot say that we love God, then we serve God, and we want to be his servants, but we hate his, his people. Whether they are for us or against us, we can't say that. We have to be like David in this situation. And David's mindset was so incredible that this man has done so much evil to you personally. But you don't kill him because he's God's anointed. David, most of the time, always took the high road. But I want you to focus on yourself as a Christian. And I think another great thing to study the scripture and how to study the scripture, when we study a topic and when the Bible is preached in general, the first thought that we have is, man, I wish so-and-so was here so they can hear that. Or, man, let me write this down so I can show this to so-and-so. Or, man, Lord, I wish so-and-so would get this. You'll never grow as a Christian by saying those things. Instead of focusing on other people and what other people need to hear and putting up air quotes, focus on what you need to hear. But Because before you can point out other people's faults and what's going on with other people, you have some too, and I have some too. And so let's focus on us. Focus exactly on you. Put your name there. I'm focusing exactly on me, Jordan Anthony Pugh, focusing on, on my faults and what I can do better. And so remember, let's let's put ourselves in this situation. And I'm gonna just I'm gonna put myself here and you put yourself here and I'll say my name. Let's say that I was in a situation as David. And let's say there was um, a man who did evil things to me continually. I've done nothing to that man but to try to help him. But evil things have come to me just as David and Saul. And let's say I was in David's situation and I was in a cave. And in that cave, I see that man vulnerable, ready to kill. Would I kill him because I'm so focused on what he has done to me personally or in that moment, will I remember who I serve and remember that even if, even if he has done X, Y, and Z to me, that if he's a Christian, he is God's anointed. Will I remember that? Will you remember that? You see, we, we must be careful, especially with God's people, because when we mess with God's people, God always takes care of his people. 
And I just look at what he did to the Egyptians. They messed with the Lord's people, and now they're drowned. they were drowned in the sea. You know, the Lord doesn't take lightly of people messing with his anointed, whether that's on the outside or whether that's on the inside. The Lord doesn't, Lord doesn't play with that. And if he doesn't play with that, I shouldn't. You shouldn't. And that's why all this stuff, such as gossip, all this stuff, such as evil communication, all this stuff is backbiting, all this stuff is bitterness, all this stuff is talking evil about somebody. It needs to stop, especially in the church, because as long as it keeps going among us, we're literally going around killing God's anointed with our tongues. Hence, James chapter 3. That's why it's a fire, and we must control it. And so the scripture, and you see why this is why I wanted to start this. Because when we hear the phrase, Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, okay, well, I can tolerate them. I can be nice to them. And that's not, that's not it. Can you really love your enemy like you love somebody who loves you? Can you do that? Can I do that? If not, we need to check our love. Because when we talk about that, you know, this is another reason why I wanted to start this podcast to challenge us. Because when we're put in those situations, that's when the scripture becomes real for us. It's not just a cute phrase. Okay, guys, love your enemies. Okay, but let so-and-so do something to you. Now are you going to love them like the scripture says? Now it becomes real. Now it's not fake anymore. Now it's not a cute phrase. It's actually something you have to execute. It's a commandment. Now, you know, as a Christian, God's commandments aren't always easy. Sometimes they're hard to, to do, but they're not grievous either. So he wouldn't give us a command that we could not do. And since we have the Old Testament to see men as David who have done it before, then why can't you? Then why can't I? But you see, we don't do this because we're so focused on ourselves. Oh, I can't believe he would say this about me. Oh, I can't believe that they would say this about us. Oh, I can't believe that they believe this. Oh, I can't believe this. Well, therefore, since you believe this about us, since you think about us this way, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Or I'll treat you differently. Okay. You can do that too, but you really show who you are that way. You show that you hate your brother. But you love God though, right? See, we have to check ourselves there. And, you know, this was a challenging study because when I studied this, I never thought about it that way. I never thought about, you know, it is easy to love those that love you. But can you really love those that are your enemies? And I want you to notice, if you look at, um, if I can find the verse here, if you, if you go back and if you look at to where that says that, after Matthew five forty four, I want you to look at two verses. First, go to Luke 6, 27, and I want you to say that, actually, before we go this, I'm going a little ahead of myself. If you go to Matthew 5, I'm sorry, Matthew 5, 43, uh, I remember when I was a student at the School of Preaching, Brother Cates, he told us um, this about these two verses. In Matthew 5, 43, when the scripture starts off where it says, you have heard that it hath been said. Love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. 
that's a phrase that they've heard. But remember, who's, who's talking? Christ is. Now, look at what Christ says in verse 44. You say, you've heard this, but now I say unto you. That phrase right there, but I say unto you, totally discounts what he just said in the, in the verse before. Yeah, you've heard you're supposed to love your, you love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But notice, now I say this. Now this is the new standard. This is the new command. Now you love your enemies and you bless them that curse you and you do good to them that hate you and you pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's what you're supposed to do now. When Christ said, now I say unto you, that's a whole new command. That's what he wants now. But I want you to notice, if you look at Luke 6, 27, Scripture says this, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, and do good to them which hate you. And this is a very special verse in verse 35 of Luke 6. And look at what the Scripture says here. But, okay, Lord, well, I'm supposed to love my enemies. Why? Why do I love them that hate me? Why do I love them that always talk against me? Why do I love them that treat me differently now? What do I do? Look at this. But you love your enemies and you do good and you lend to them hoping for nothing again. Why? Because your, your reward shall be great and, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Okay, well, why? He answers his own question. For he, God, is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So, if I just love them that love me, I only have half of the love of God. But if I love those who love me, and if I love those the same way that hate me, now... I have the love of God in perfection. Why? Because he's kind to the unthankful and to the evil, and he's kind to those who do what he says. That's what David did. David understood that this is not about me. This is not about what he's done to me. This is not about a personal vendetta. And, I can, and David could make it a personal vendetta if he wanted to. And we make things personal vendettas if we want to. Let somebody say something bad to you. I guarantee sometimes as Christians we won't, we won't see them the same anymore. Let somebody say something bad about your family. Let somebody say something bad about your, you know, what you do. Let somebody say something bad about your character. And then we switch, we switch that defense mechanism on. The love goes out the window because they're against me now. You see, but that's not the right attitude to have. But you love your enemies, and you do good to them, and you lend to them, and you hope for nothing again. He's kind to the thankful, or he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. You see, all this happens to us so we can have a perfect love. You see, it's easy to love those that love us. It's easy. You know, it doesn't take much. It really takes nothing. But it takes something to love somebody that hates you. It takes something to love somebody who curses you. It takes something to love somebody 
who despitefully uses you. It takes something to love somebody who persecutes you physically, with their words, with their actions. It takes something. And the best example of that is Christ himself. He preached to his own creation that he made. His own creation spit on him, scourged him, said he was a fake, said he was a phony, said he wasn't God. Told him to renounce his throne, crucified him, pierced him in the side, killed the son of God. Could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He died alone. He was raised from the dead the third day. Then in Acts chapter 2, to those same people who scourged him, the same people that persecuted him, the same people that pierced him in the side, the same people that made him carry that heavy cross up that hill, the same people that were spitting in his face, same people that told him he wasn't God, same people. He had Peter preach to them in Acts chapter 2, and he let those people become a part of his kingdom. Now, if that doesn't show what love is, I don't know what what does. Because Christ loved those who loved him, loved his disciples because they loved him. But he also loved those that did terrible things to him. Now, what are you and I going to do? What are you going to do when someone doesn't like you? You're going to strategize behind their back how you're going to get them? You're going to strategize things in the background? Or are you going to love them? Are you going to treat them just like you treat your loved ones? It's hard. It's not easy. But it's what's commanded. And so the scripture becomes real when we talk about loving our enemies. As it was a really an amazing study to study that and that's it really changed um, it really changed my mindset as, as I hope it changed yours and I hope it challenges you because it's so easy it's so easy to love somebody but it's also so easy to hate somebody too it's easy to do both but it's it's harder to love somebody that that hates you it's harder to do that because sometimes when you do that, that same love is not reciprocated back. But if you notice the scripture, it, it doesn't say love them so they can love you back. It says that you are supposed to love them whether they love you back or not. See, there's no condition there. Well, you love them so they can love you now. You love them because I said so. And that's, that's just that's what I'm supposed to do. And anybody else, they can do what they want to do, but I just want to follow what Christ says. And I want you to notice this before we close. Sometimes, as Christians, when that happens, sometimes you got to stand by yourself. I want you to notice, you know, Christ, when he loved those that hated him, his disciples fled. Everybody left him. He was by himself. Job. It's by himself. Joseph, his brothers hated him. He was by himself. David, Saul hated him. He's by himself. 
See, sometimes you, you you might have to spend a season by yourself, and you just have to let the you just have to let the Lord work on other people's hearts. You know, sometimes it's not easy being by yourself, but it's been done before. So if they can do it, you can and I can too. But we're never alone, though, which is amazing that Christ is always there with us. And it's amazing to know that he knows exactly what it's like to be alone, to be persecuted, to be used, to be cursed, to be hated. He knows what it's like. So when you're by yourself, you're not because Christ is right there. And so I think that's that's a good reminder uh, for us uh, as Christians. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed studying today, as I hope you did. Um, uh, it's just a great study on loving our enemies. And uh, I think that's something that, that all of us can really change and, and to help and to get better at. Um, next week, I will tell you the topic uh, for next week. I haven't got that far yet into the schedule, but we'll uh, let you know. But some just some news to let you know. Um, we are also, again... Working on an app for when the scripture becomes real. So on the app, uh, the podcast will be there. A Bible will be included in the app. Uh, not only that, but also eventually you want to screencast and get video uh, on the app as well. Uh, so that's coming. I would say it's about 50% done. Uh, there's still some kinks and things we have to work out. But uh, look look uh, for when the scriptures become real app uh, very soon. Um also, uh, I believe uh, once we get the app finished, uh, we will have a Facebook page uh, that's linked with the Collinsville Church of Christ. Uh, you'll be able to watch uh, when the scriptures become real on Facebook through the Collinsville Church page. That'll come up really soon as well. It's not up yet, but it will be. Um, please like and subscribe. On YouTube, you can just look up when the scriptures become real. Um, like and subscribe on YouTube. Definitely share as well. You can also listen on SoundCloud. Uh, you can also listen on my LinkedIn uh, professional page. Just look up my name and uh, just add me on LinkedIn, Jordan Pugh. And you'll see the Memphis School of Preaching. You'll see all that. Just add me and you can uh, listen to um, the podcast there and there's also articles and blogs as well and there will also be blogs and articles within the app as well too so a lot of good things coming um, just ask for your prayers that you know things will continue to go well with, with this work and um, where you are I hope the, the work uh, continues to grow and, and increase as well so again thank you all for listening thank you all for listening uh, and may the Lord uh, continue to bless uh, all of our efforts and increase our faith. Thank you all.